Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Hey, everyone, this is Jim Baker from Doing Ministry Well, and you're listening to Engaging Missions. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Hi, and welcome to the Engaging Missions Show. I'm your host, Brian Ensminger, and I am delighted to have Ron Surgeon as my guest today. Now, I first heard of Ron on Steve Addison's podcast at movements.net, and it's taken the two of us a couple of months to connect because of the things that are going on, uh, but I'm really, really happy to have him here. He's the elder in charge of training at Christ the Rock Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and from what I understand, he's been using some of the church planting and discipleship methods in his training. So, Ron, Welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thanks again, Brian. It's been good to be here. That's really cool. Now, um, before we get into learning a little bit more about the ministry, I just want to help people who don't know you to connect with you a little bit. So can you share with us a little bit about what's going on in your life and what it is that you do? Well, I worked through Christ the Rock Church in order to um, coordinate global missions and church planting within the city. So I trained pre-existing believers, mobilized them to get out into the harvest, see people come to faith in Christ, and to establish um, small churches within homes, and also mobilizing pre-existing churches within the city um, to get out into their harvest fields. Okay. And besides that, um, I'm getting married in three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's really exciting. You know, when we were talking about the uh, this a little bit before we started recording, I was just super excited to hear that. So as I think about what you're doing, um, and I think we'll get a little bit further into this in, in the future, but it's not really common, I think, to hear about people who are using some of the church planting te- techniques or methods within a, uh, a traditional local church. But is, is that what you're doing? Yes, Okay. it is. And how does that work for you? What, what, what exactly is it that you do when you're doing these trainings? Um, well, I teach people. How to practice Luke 10. Um, so Luke 10 talks about finding houses of peace. And so we have a strategy to enter um, new areas for impact. And then we teach them how to communicate the gospel, how to share their story, how to share God's story in a reproducible way, something in a, in a way that can be transferred to the next generation of believers um, easily and in a reproducible method. And then we teach them how to disciple those who come to faith in Christ in the way that leads them to reproduce a new generation of disciples in churches. Okay. And we teach them how to function as, as God's people. What does it look like? Okay. That, that's really good. Um, now, 
as we get into this, and we're kind of getting to know you, one of the things I like to understand is you know, mindset a little bit, the sort of the foundation. You've already mentioned Luke 10. Is that sort of the meaningful scripture in your life, or is there another meaningful quote or scripture you'd like to share with us that kind of underpins what you do? Well, Luke 10 kind of underpins what I do, but um, another meaningful quote would be by Henrietta Mears. She was a Sunday school teacher uh, many years ago, and she said, when I consider my ministry, I consider the entire world because anything less than that would not be worthy of Christ or his mission for my life. Wow. So how do you put flesh on that? Um, by reaching out to uh, people who look a lot different than I, um, who live in other countries than I, who have practiced different cultures, who are part of different cultures. And so we usually fly to different parts of the world and mobilize the indigenous believers there to begin multiplication movements within their networks. Okay. And do you so have... the global missions aspect is what that looks like. Okay. So it's it's both at home and out in the, the broader world. Is that is that mm-hmm. what I'm hearing? Okay. Sure, far in there. And and Wow, there's a couple of things I probably don't want to get into just because I think of, of some of the travels that are going on. Um, so I, I want to shy away a little bit, I think. Um, you know, as I'm thinking about this, uh, though, it, it can seem like sometimes we put people who do this kind of travel on a regular basis a little bit on a, on a pedestal. Um, but it's interesting that to me that you're also trying to do these trainings for indigenous people as well as doing some of these at home. Are there opportunities where you're able to take people, a team perhaps with you and, and do this kind of stuff? Yeah. Usually when people show interest, um, I try to help them find a partner, train them and take them to the places where they live and put these tools into practice because um, we want people to be able to follow up with those who they encounter instead of entering into someone else's context without being able to follow up. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, thinking about this also, sometimes, uh, especially as we see newsletters that come out or watch Facebook feeds, it can kind of seem like everything's all, all puppies and rainbows sometimes. Uh, but, you know, when we're looking at somebody else's life and then when we look at our own, it can seem a little bit like the um, the blooper reel of a, of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I find that sometimes we, we connect a little bit better and we also learn more when we hear about challenges and failures. Is there a time in your life where you faced a significant challenge that you could share with us and then share with us what God did in that time? Uh, personally, um, well, most of my challenges have to do with um, people that I've invested in and just seeing people fall away from the Lord. Um, they just pursue lifestyles of um, sin uh, in my own heart. I think some of the, my own failures have been rivalry, um, comparing my good works with others. And, um, God has caused me to, to lift out of that through praising people. I don't know if I could just flesh that out even more. Yeah, that, that's. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody share that one, but I think that's that's a big one because not only do we sometimes have a competitive nature, but there's also that pride. I, I know um, for me as a as a podcaster, sometimes I can look at somebody else who's been doing this a little bit longer or perhaps a lot shorter and look at their mm-hmm. their download and their audience and can and can be jealous of that. You know, it it, it really can be hard. Have you found it? You, you mentioned praising people. Is that how you're able to then shift that and and get your focus back? Yeah, I combat pride with praise. 
Um, so I felt great knowledge of others and for what God is accomplishing in and through them. And instead of, uh, it allows me to, to compete against comparing myself to others and being a person of rivalry, which is a consistent failure in my life. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's, you know, that's, that's one of those deep ones that we don't get to a lot. Is there also mm-hmm. maybe a personal habit, maybe something that you do on a consistent basis that you believe has been instrumental in what God's been able to do in your life? Pray. <laughs> <laughs> that is it, man. Praying my socks off and, and recruiting others to do the same with me for what I, for the things that I believe that God has called, called me and my teams to do. Um, Second Thessalonians 3, verse 1 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. So prayer is the key. That's good. You know, I I, I don't typically get to this question, but I think I'd like to, to ask it if it's okay. Um, because we've heard about a challenge. We've heard about some of the stuff that's happened in your life. But sometimes we have what, what I think of as moments of revelation where maybe we've been struggling with something for a while, or maybe God just kind of parts the skies and gives us an answer and gives us this moment of revelation. Have there been any, been any of those moments of revelation in your life? Um. The re- moment of revelation now is just, um, I know it sounds simple, but the reality of God's presence being, filling all time and space, Him being everywhere. Um, there's more reality for me today than it has ever been. Um, wow. I'm aware that He's here. You know? <laughs> That's great. Okay. Well, with, with that, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit away from talking so specifically about Ron and some of those things and more toward the ministry that he has going on and perhaps picking up some tidbits there. So if as you're listening, uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Engaging Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Hi, Scott McClelland with your Leadership Moment. I want to talk to you today about courage. You know, courage is a subject of a lot of movies and entertainment in our time. A lot of superhero movies out there. You know, they seem to be very courageous in the in the face of insurmountable odds. You might think about the movie where one of the groups in the movie was named Dauntless. Also another word for courage, I think. One of the things that's been on my mind about the popularity of superhero movies in the recent time, I'm wondering if we feel powerless, and that's why we gravitate toward these superhero movies. Don't know. Real courage, though, is essential if we're going to be overcoming Christians. Now, there's confusion about courage, but... Keep in mind, courage isn't something that comes from adversity. Circumstances, whether favorable or, you know, opposing circumstances, don't give us courage. Courage comes from the inside of us. And it comes from an assurance of good. We take courage, as they say, in times of difficulty. 
but the courage isn't produced by the difficulty. It's produced inside of us by the hope or internal sense of confidence and assurance that our efforts are not in vain. They will make a difference. And in a manner of speaking, our efforts will overcome. As you think about and reflect on courage today, realize that courage is a product not of circumstances, but of hope and confidence. If you feel certain that you're going to fail, don't expect to have much courage. But if you have a sense of confidence and hope that you will overcome, regardless of the way things look at the moment, courage will rise inside of you. Take courage today and be overcomers. Scott McClelland here with your Leadership Moment. If you need to contact me or us, please do so on most social media at FX Missions or on the web at fxmissions.com. Thanks a lot. This has been the Engaging Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. If you have a leadership question, please send it to feedback at engagingmissions.com and visit fxmissions.com to connect with Scott and discover how you could be involved in short-term missions. All right, we are back with Ron Surgeon. We just heard a little bit about what he has going on in his life, some exciting news that's, um, at the time we're recording this upcoming in, a, in just a few weeks. Now we're shifting our focus a little bit more toward what he's doing in, in ministry and the specifics of that. So, Ron, as I think about what you're doing, you know, teaching the church, church planting methodologies and, and that kind of thing in, in and through a local church, that's, you know, it seems a little bit unconventional, which is, is great. So would you mind sharing with us a little bit about how God led you to what you're doing today? Sure, I don't mind. Um, in 2006, um, I was, that's where it began. I was invited to a conference where a man named Roy Campbell and the guy who discipled him, Herb Hodges, were doing um, a small group training with some students from the University of Mississippi. And I was invited to that, and at this time I was kind of fed up with conferences because um, I was like, nothing happens in the outside world outside of the conference or as a result of the conference. And um, But this lady, she kind of begged me to go and sent me a million text messages, so I inclined, <laughs> I was inclined to go. <laughs> um, and I went, and God wrecked me. This was the first time I I, I realized what God saved me for. I knew what he saved, I knew what he saved me from. I did not know what he saved me for. And I knew the Christian life was bigger than sermon listening and church attendance, but I had no other model before me. And I was just hearing these guys talk about how Jesus trained his men and what they were doing in the States and overseas. And like the hell my neck stood up and I wanted to be a part of that. And so I approached, um, Roy, who called him soup because his last name is Campbell. And I said, um, I want to go wherever you're going. And he asked me, what are you doing Tuesday morning at 5 a.m.? And at this moment, I was working full-time. I was going to school full-time, but I wanted what he had. So I began to meet with him and a group of men in his home. And um, basically, he gave me a vision for the world and a, and a heart to um, 
reproduce, multiply, and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yeah, a couple of years after that, um, 2000, many years after that, in 2012, prior, I had been doing with others what Super had done with me, um, nationally, internationally. 2012, um, Zach and I, um, began to um, develop a friendship after doing the training in Honduras and came to Memphis. We were hearing about guys who were uh, multiplying churches and disciples who wanted to be a part of that. Went to a training in Texas and hooked up with um, a guy named Jeff Sundell and Steve Smith Inc. and several others. And they, they, poured, out, they poured into us. And, um, we continued um, friendships with them and coaching and being malt and um, um, being um, invested in by them. I came back into our own cities and we had to put these tools and these uh, principles into practice. And through that, uh, we've been multiplying disciples in churches ever since. So you mentioned in when we were talking uh, in, the, in the first part that you're working, I, I believe, both with the church that you're in and then also some other local churches. How do you approach connecting with other churches and helping mo- mobilize the, the broader church to reach people, say, in, in their hometowns? I call them. <laughs> there's an, there's a, yeah, there's an area um, not too far from where I live. It's, it's an area called South Memphis, and uh, there are many... There are many low-income apartments there, and uh, the neighborhood is bad. It's a real, it's a rough area. And the, before I was just recently returned to the country, to back to the U.S., but before I left, I called about 17 churches and talked with the leaders and just told them, I have a heart for your, your area um, and a heart for evangelism and disciple-making, and I want to see us partner together to see the entire area saturated with the gospel of Christ. You mind if we could meet together? So we meet, I go in, I cast vision to them that there will be no place left where God's word has not been heard. Um, and I talk with them about the processes. I share some stories of what God has been doing in and through um, many others within the city and within the broader network in the U.S. And if they have a heart for the for the loss, they usually say they would like to be involved. <laughs> So you you find an area, and then you you kind of target some churches that are already in in or ministering to that area. Is that kind of how you approach it? Right, because if they're if they're in the, the locality, um, I don't need to be there personally with my teams. Um, if they're willing to get out to the field and to and to see uh, multiplication happen, but if they're unwilling, then I go in and do it myself with other believers. Interesting. I, I like that model because it, it reminds me of exactly the same approach that we would take, or I would hope that we would take with missions, where if we could find a, a group to partner with that's already indigenous, then we would work in with them and partner with them, provide resources or whatever. And if not, mm-hmm. then that's where pioneering missions comes in. So, Absolutely. That, that's, you know, my, my mind is just blown right now. I probably shouldn't admit that, but <laughs> that's amazing. So as you think about what you have going on, are there maybe changes or opportunities that you see coming on the horizon? Um, yeah, the, the changes would be um, starting um, this kind of work in new, new zip codes. Now, um, we have a team working now among uh, the Indian population within the city, and um, they're, just, they're just at the very beginning of this, of this work. 
Um, they're getting into some homes. They're beginning some discovery Bible studies within these homes. And so we're hoping to get some streams of multiplication happen, happening uh, through the Indian population. So that's, that's ex- exciting for, for us. And um, and also this new area in South Memphis um, to see these new churches um, engage their fields in a way that reproduces and multiplies itself. So those two things are really promising right now. Very cool. What is it that most excites you about what you're doing? Yeah, it's just, I don't know, the joy of the Lord is is in it. Um, even when the days are hard and people fall off and churches die, I still have the joy of the Lord. You know, I feel like I'm doing what God has called me to do, um, if I could say it like that. I'm pleasing God. Pleasing God. That's good. Yeah, I feel this pleasure when I'm in when I'm doing this. When I'm not doing it, I don't feel this pleasure. <laughs> That's a pretty good indication, right? <laughs> yeah. So, if you could do this, if you could do it all over again, is there any even one thing that you would change? Yes, um, I would start out um, not having a knowledge-based uh, mindset for being a disciple of Christ. And, and to to have an obedience based mindset, because um, it's not about having mature, experiencing and being a mature believer. Because I know so much, it's about my allegiance to Jesus and living that out practically. So I would start there, and also um, when we first started, we were only making disciples who made disciples. But as we begin to read through the Book of Acts, we see the disciples. They made disciples, resulted in new churches starting, but we never intended to do that, so we never got it. And um, so I would was, I was start all over with that kind of paradigm if I could begin again. I think as we tie out this section, I'd like to go back just a, a little bit further, because you had mentioned that you're connecting with local churches in a particular area, mm-hmm. so they're basically indigenous missions, and of course not every church is necessarily going to want to partner with you. Do you ever have any churches that feel a little bit territorial, like they're concerned that you even are, are thinking about their area? Yeah. And usually they would not, they, they just don't want to meet. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I never ran into any other complications beside that. Very yeah. cool. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. We are going to take another quick break, and then when we come back, we'll shift our focus one last time more toward resources and equipping people who um, who are out there looking for resources and um, inspiration, that kind of thing. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. Well, you know, uh, I, the story you're telling me, Brian, could be <laughs> oh yeah, a thousand times over. Graduate from high school, you graduate from God. That's the way it is. Universities, they're not intellectually neutral areas. No. They are proselytizing areas. They are proselytizing people to an anti-theistic worldview. That's just the nature. You send your child to a university, plan to get six, six, six put on their forehead. It's like sending your children to an ashram. You just, you just don't do that, but that's what we do because we've got to have educations. We've got to have degrees. So they go there, and they've got professors that are completely trying to, to discredit Christianity by the raise of their eyebrows and by the tone of their voice. We can't, we can't go up against that. But the real problem for young people, now here's what parents need to understand. 
It is not intellectual atheism, it's moral atheism. It's almost always rebellion. It is almost never intellectual. They don't know enough to be intellectually inclined against the gospel. It's moral rebellion. They want to dismiss God so they can do the stuff that they want to do. It's all about sin. It's not about answers. Give them answers till the cows come home. This is what I think about apologetics. I'll give the answers. But give them answers till the cow comes home, and we should give them answers. It's not going to work until they finally bend their knee to Jesus, and it's going to be have to put down the rebellion. Now, unfortunately, unfortunately, most of these kids who are acting out in this way, who have left the faith of good, godly parents, sometimes they have good reason for it. But most of the time, it's just simply a cover for living an immoral lifestyle. I think what we need to do is love them, pray for them, and I think it's important to expose them to good thinking. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. All right. We are back with Ron Surgeon. We've heard some wonderful things about how he's been able to partner with some local churches uh, to, to bring church planting and discipleship methodologies into areas that are desperately in need of the gospel. Now we're going to shift our focus one last time more toward you as the listener. So, Ron... This is our opportunity to learn from your experience and your your insight. What would you share with someone who feels that God has called them into the marketplace, but they're starting to wonder if what they do there in business and, and in work really matters in the kingdom? I think that this, people who are in that field should realize that their vocation is sacred. Uh, they shouldn't compartmentalize um, working for God and then pursuing their career that they're one and the same. They can be, they can be one and the same. That their career can be a sacred means by which God advances his mission to see his kingdom established and heard. As I think about that one, you know, culturally, I think that sometimes we create a, a little bit of a false dichotomy and it can be really hard to work through that that mindset. Do you, do you have any suggestions for somebody who's, who is kind of dealing with that and they go, okay, I realize that my calling is sacred, but at the same time, it doesn't feel that way. How can they bring those two together? Yeah. Lead your heart. <laughs> lead your heart. <laughs> don't, don't be led by your feelings. Don't be led by your feelings. Be, be led by the, by the word of God, by the spirit of God. Allow him to dictate um, where your vacation how your vacation should, your vocation should be viewed. That's good. What would you share with somebody who's living here in the U.S. or in, in the broader North America, and they start to look up and they're realizing, they're realizing that their neighbors, their coworkers, maybe the people that they're seeing in the grocery store are from a place that's not here, maybe someplace that just a few years ago we thought that, you know, that's where we send missionaries, not where we meet people from. I would say be glad. <laughs> Rejoice, um, because God has brought the nations to you. And many times we talk about going to the nations. We live in a time in which God gravitates them to us. And so consider yourselves blessed and have an opportunity to impact the world right from where you live. And if they wanted to start ministering to this person that lives near them or that they happen to see, is there maybe one thing that they could do to take that first step? Yeah, introduce yourself. It, it really is that simple, right? It really is. 
Is there an internet resource or maybe a tool or something that you use and would like to recommend for our listeners? Man, there's several. Um, Steve, Steve Addison's podcast, Movements That Change the World, uh, the movements.net, your podcast, um, another resource or book, Discovering Church Planting by J.D. J.D. Payne, um, Robert Coleman's, um, um, what, what is it? Something about evangelism. <laughs> there are several. T for T, um, Discipleship Re-Revolution, The Four Fields, PDF book, Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. Get a concept of God and who he is and how, how mighty he is. Wow, that's that's quite a list. You just even just reading the Tozer could take somebody weeks. <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing. For for those of you who are are listening, we will make sure that all of these resources are linked up in the show notes, which will be at engagingmissions.com slash Ron Surgeon. Uh, and Surgeon is spelled just like you would expect if somebody was uh, a doctor. So Ron Surgeon. Now, Ron, we are, we're getting pretty close to being out of time, but I do want to offer you the opportunity uh, as we close this out. Is there maybe one last piece of advice or guidance that you'd provide somebody and a way for them to connect with you if they'd like to learn more? Yeah, sure. They can connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, I'm I'm presently not using my Twitter account, but uh, maybe if you send me a maybe you send me a message, I will um, I'll communicate with you. Okay, and and maybe a parting piece of advice or guidance. Man, yeah, uh, John twelve twenty four. It says, "Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit." And many times in this kind of work, we have to give up our own agendas and um, allow ourselves to die to the things that distract us from fulfilling God's his mandate. Well, that's great. Ron, thank you so much for being with us and for taking the time on this this really early morning to make the time for this interview. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.